if you fit more than 30%, if you fit more than 50% of it, you should be applying. If you fit 100% of that job description, you're overqualified and you need to look for other jobs. There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get hired without a college degree. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. It's great to have you back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Ryan and I today. We are happy to have you here, as always. With graduation season just a few short weeks away, I kind of started thinking about graduation ceremonies and parties and and all of that, getting your degree conferred. But then I started thinking about honorary degrees and I was like, what's up with those things? They just hand them out. Yeah, like why why do colleges do that? So I started to to look into it more. There's no real like clear, I mean, the clear answer is that they say like, you know, for recognition of these people and everything, but just kind of quick history of honorary degrees because I found it interesting. not something recent. They've actually been doing this for like 600 years. Since the 1470s, the first honorary degree was given out to this guy named Lionel Woodville by the University of Oxford. Lionel went on to be the Bishop of Salisbury. (laughs) The Bishop of Salisbury. (laughs) I know. I don't even know what that means. I mean, they probably gave him, if I had to guess, it's probably a clerical degree so that he could become the Bishop of Salisbury. I have no idea. (laughs) But what I wanted to talk about was kind of more modern day and why I think the colleges do it. And I think the colleges do it because I think it's an amazing marketing stunt. Oh, for sure. It is a great way for them to inject themselves into the news, into the media, and into whatever that person has done prior to getting that honorary degree conferred. It's like Kirkland brand. You know, they're just uh, white labeling humans. You know, they do they do something well and then they smack their label on and they're like, yeah, we did that. There were two ways that you can look at it. I'm sure there are more, but... No, there's only two ways. Right, exactly. <laughs> My unencumbered mind can only think of two ways to think to look at it. And the first is that they're really trying to recognize these people's accomplishments and they're trying to give them a larger platform for them to get their word out there. And then the second one is that it's just a marketing stunt and it's cheap media and it's cheap ad space. Yeah. Cause every time they give one out, people run new stories on it for weeks. Right. Well, exactly. Especially to very notable people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people, not a lot, but there are people that do get honorary degrees conferred that are not necessarily famous, like at least not a household name. But people probably that do academic work that were not within the academic sphere, and then they just hand them degrees to bring them into the stable. And so just for a second, I wanted to take, you know, probably what they would say, their side of the argument, and which it is a great place. Like say if you're a human rights activist or something like that, civil rights, or if you're uh, funding cancer research or doing good amongst your community, it is a great way to recognize these peoples for doing great work and then also getting their platform or their topics, the things that they care about, the things that they're working on. It's great 
publicity for those things and great awareness for that as well. This brings to mind one question, and maybe we'll have to look into this more, but this does bring to mind one question for me. So I know that recently, in the last couple of years, they gave Mark Zuckerberg an honorary degree, right? They gave him an, uh, Harvard gave him an honorary degree. So what I want to know is when that happens, I would like to know if that person's earnings are then counted as they're factored in to the earnings of college graduates in the larger data set of the US. I'd like to know if that's what happens. Because I'm willing to bet it is. That sounds like something that would happen. Yeah, I'm not sure. And we can look into it. It's something that we're kind of working on already. So we'll look into it. It's just an interesting thought. And so, like I said, that's probably what they would say about why they give out honorary degrees is to honor these people and for all their good Out of work. the goodness of their heart. Right, exactly. I think they do it because they're brilliant marketers and it's cheap eyeballs to do so. Well, you brought up Mark Zuckerberg, which is one of the examples I was going to give. At Harvard in 2017, he did get his doctor of laws from Harvard. That YouTube video has 1.5 million views on YouTube. Mm. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. For a Harvard commencement speech or not even a commencement speech or his, his acceptance speech. Yeah. His acceptance speech of this honorary degree. Taylor Swift last year... <laughs> T-Swift for all those Swifties. Honorary degree. She got an honorary doctorate. She's a doctor of fine arts <laughs> from NYU. For writing Romeo and Juliet. That video has 1.6 million views. Wow. On YouTube. Genius. Her acceptance speech of it. Like I said, I just think that this is a very brilliant way for them to remain relevant in pop culture and in the media. And it's a very cheap way for them to get more eyeballs on their, you know, graduation yeah. and on really their product that they push out yeah. because the degree is ultimately the product of college. As far as as far as marketing, you and I both know colleges are some of the best marketers, most prolific marketers that there are. College, colleges and universities, man, amazing. But that the, the irony of that is just too thick. You know, it's a uh, you need us, you need to buy a degree to do anything. Unless you do something, in which case we'll just hand one to you. So funny. Yeah, absolutely. So if you do something notable, then I knight you. Yeah, you're you're or you're um, initiated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then now they're going to take responsibility for it. Right. You're baptized into the into the order. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Because we recognize you for doing so. Right. You need us unless you don't. <laughs> and then w in which case we need you. But yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Okay. Before we get into our next topic, which is actually about Harvard too. They're just, they're just all over the place these days. Uh, make sure you go over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter and sign up for our free weekly newsletter, which is going to have degree-free news, stuff that Ryan and I think is cool, companies that are down-credentialing degree requirements, all kinds of cool stuff. Degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up and get that. So jumping into our next point, this is a new study released by the Harvard Business Review. They have actually been writing about this quite a bit, but they released a study about new collar hiring. That's what they're calling degree-free people. They're calling us new collar folks. These are those of us who are studying, uh, upskilling, and then people who are so people who do not have degrees, degree-free people who are upskilling, teaching themselves and getting into different types of jobs. There are also people who have irrelevant degrees, which most degrees are irrelevant to the job you end up in. And we are teaching ourselves new skills and then getting into new jobs. They're calling this wave the new collar wave of hiring. And so we're all different. We're not the traditional white collar workers. So this Harvard Business Review, they're talking about and giving advice to employers and companies about how they can hire degree-free people slash new collar people. They cite Delta, 
Delta, they cite Bank of America, they cite IBM, and they're just talking about how they have shifted away from requiring degrees. That uh, I think IBM right now, 50% of their jobs no longer require degrees when they used to. They're continuing to up that number. And they have two recommendations for how companies can start to hire people without college degrees. Number one, you want to take a wild guess at their first at their first one. Get rid of it. No, that would be smart. But no, the first <laughs> that would be the logical thing to do. But no, uh, the first thing they've suggested is to start apprenticeship and internship programs and paid on the job training. We already see this across the board. Microsoft, IBM, Bank of America, all of them have on the job training programs. A lot of larger companies uh, like banks and like large data companies like IBM have been doing this. The wave is continuing to with online tech certifications and online learning. So it's more accessible to people than it used to be. And then there's second recommendation, which I think is probably the one that should be first because it's much easier and kind of lines up with what you were saying is that they think they need to train hiring managers not to eliminate using what you and I call at Degree Free the paper bias, which is eliminating people because they did not purchase papers. So it's funny that they came to the first thing that they want people to do is actually something that's really difficult. Like creating an apprenticeship and paid training program is really complicated. That's not an easy thing to do. It's going to take people months to years to formulate and organize those things. Like you and I have our four week career change crash course that took us like six months to organize and set everything up, you know, and we're running smaller groups. Imagine trying to organize a paid apprenticeship program for like a 1000 people. That's huge. That's gonna take forever. But if you just train hiring managers, or believe it or not, if you just sent out a memo that said, Hey, stop eliminating people based on these criteria. And it's four bullet points. That could work too, but they were not going to do that. But instead, we're going to just say that we're going to create really complicated apprenticeship programs and instead of just eliminating degree requirements on job postings, which is the easiest thing they could do. It's several backspaces and problem solved. Anyway, I think that actually training hiring managers and recruiters not to eliminate based on paper bias and 100% adherence to job descriptions is probably more important than anything else. And the thing the thing that's unfortunate about that is you have to what you have to teach them, and you're gonna have an uphill battle doing this, right? The person who figures this out is going to solve a huge problem. But you have to teach them not to hire the way they've been hiring. You also have to teach them to hire people for jobs that are going to get paid more than them. And I think this is where like a human element comes into it. But you have to teach them one that college is not the only path to education, which a lot of them believe, because a lot of HR and recruiters have college degrees. And that's going to be a kind of a tough sell for a lot of them. A lot of them do not like that, because they like the rules. And so that's something that's going to be kind of an issue. And the second thing is, you're going to have an issue because you're going to have people recruiting and hiring sometimes for jobs that are higher up than them. And you're going to have a little bit of a of an issue there because some people are not going to feel like people who are degree free should be getting jobs that are above where they are. I think there's a natural human element that's going to have to be trained out of people. I think that that's going to be really, really tough. I think that that's something that you know definitely needs to be worked on. But teaching people that college is not education, college is a form of education, is fundamental to this entire thing. Which is so interesting because that is... It's just accurate. <laughs> it's just real. It's just right. It can't factual. Yeah, it's just factual. It can't be wrong. But that's one of the spiciest opinions that we have apparently. Which is not education. Literally is not the same thing as education. It's right. a form of education. Yeah. Educate educated doesn't equal college. And you say that and people literally it blows their mind and it they hate you for it. Yeah. We get a lot of hate. A lot of hate over that one. For saying it, but it's just like if you take that stance that education equals college, like you're wrong. And people don't like the whole, you know, I, they'll say, well, it's higher education. I said, no, it's more expensive education. Yeah, like you can be educated 
and go to college, that's fine. You can get an education in college. Yes, you can. But to say that you need to go to college in order to be educated is absurd. Is crazy. It's an uneducated form of thought, which is so funny. As what we say is a very papered mindset. Yeah. And there are a couple of things that I wanted to hone in on that you were talking about there. One of the things is that 100% adherence to the job description. Yes, absolutely. That needs to come to an end or just giving the other side of the argument. They need to make more accurate job descriptions. That would also fix it. Right. And if you do not fit this 100% because it's 100% accurate because it's ex extremely accurate, ah. then it's fine. Oh, okay. But they're not going to do that. No, it's because it's a wish list. because th why they're going to say like, here's what you need to know to get this job. And you need whatever, whatever the job is. I'll just kind of like pull from my past a little bit. You need to know a little bit about accounting, like how much the job listing might say like accounting 400 or something, but what you only really need accounting 100. Mm, very basic. Yeah, exactly. You need to be advanced user at Excel, but you really just need to be able to turn on Excel. Those types of things, if the job descriptions were more accurate, I would be on board with 100% adherence to it but they're not. Whereas like all of my jobs that I've ever gotten, you can get trained on it. All you have to do is know how to do the basics of it. As I was saying, for the jobs that I needed to really use Excel for, I just needed to know how to open it and then be willing to learn the formulas that they were going to teach me. Outside of service industry, I have never met more than 30% of the qualifications for jobs I've applied to and I've held. Never, not once. And that, I, I wanna say that because, and I'm gonna say that one more time because I want people to hear it. I have never in my professional big girl job experience met more than 30% of the qualifications for a job description that I've applied to and got. They don't work. Companies don't know who they wanna hire until they actually interview you. They don't know. They don't know. They think they do, kind of-ish, except for I'm willing to bet too, when you actually look at it, the people that they hire, and you and I both know this, the people that they actually hire for jobs that they put up the job descriptions for rarely look like those job descriptions. They do not look like those job yeah, descriptions. they literally don't. For those listening, if you fit more than 30%, if you fit more than 50% of it, you should be applying. If you fit 100% of that job description, you're overqualified and you need to look for other jobs. Where you're uncomfortable applying. Exactly. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. The second thing that I wanted to talk about there was that whole new caller. I actually hate that. Like, <laughs> I kind of uh, hate it too. There doesn't need to be a new term for degree-free people. It's white collar or blue collar. Just drop the job descriptions, drop the degree requirements so that the degree-free people can get it, those jobs. And then they're just white collar or blue collar workers. They're not new collar workers. They're not a different set of people and a different set of skills because they're totally degree-free people right now that are working white-collar jobs and very successful. And there are also degree-free people that are working blue-collar jobs and super successful. But for you to create an entire new thing, that's crazy. No, they're just white-collar workers and blue-collar workers. I never really thought about it like that. But that's totally true. You're trying to create a different, almost like a lower tier, right? You're trying to separate out so you can have this lower tier of people. But it's like the skill is the skill. Employed as that thing is employed as that thing. It shouldn't matter. Exactly. Oh, I, I've never, I didn't really think about it. Like, oh yeah, that's that's white collar Jerry over there. And that's, uh, that's, that's new collar Ryan. What are you talking about? We have the same job. 
get paid the same amount as you. I do that. We do the same thing. No, you're a 100% right. You're 100% right. It's a very, it's very much like a safe corporate way to categorize these people. That's so interesting. What I understood also about this whole new collar thing is instead of it just being like degree free, it's retooling and reskilling, upskilling. And I hate all three of those words too. But it's learning new skills that jobs want instead of going and getting like a college degree and hoping it apply and hoping it, it's applicable. But yeah, that's my little rant. I hate the whole new collar thing. Hate it. I think it's valid. I never really thought about it. But now that you say it like that, I do too. Yeah. You mean that the degree free people that are coming after the same jobs that you have? That are, now you have to separate them out. Yeah, exactly. Don't, you can't have them be the same as you. Even Makes though no they sense. Are. Nah, that's Makes so, no sense. I have two more points before we move on. But the training of hiring managers and recruiters is crucial to fixing this process because as you and I know, the actions that they take, especially if they are using ATS or they're using their backend software, if there's any AI attached to it, the AI is learning that they're hiring people that look a certain way. And if that person tends to hire people that look like what they think they should be hiring. So people that have four-year degrees every single time, even if they don't require them, even if it's not useful to the job, which most of them are not, the AI is going to learn that that is because that's who you hire and you tell the system that's who we hired. The system is going to learn that that's who needs to be in that job, even though they don't. And so it's really important to train their actions, to train the AI. Otherwise, you're going to have AI that has extreme bias towards degree requirements, which is very silly and we all know it. And then secondly, I think I have three, I have three steps uh, that recruiters and hiring managers should try to look at instead of looking at degree requirements. The first one is portfolio and results. So what have people actually done? I get that the, the issue here is that we have to figure out how to measure those things in a public way that's easier for people to understand, right? And that's a problem a lot of people are working on definitely one that needs to be solved. But for now, results, portfolio, what have they done? And then the second one is I think there needs to be a grouping for skill sets. So you can say this person has this sort of skill set or this sort of skill set so that you can say, all right, well, this skill set usually transfers well into this job or it's an easy fix, right? Because humans have to make decisions. And so we have to make it easy for people to make those decisions in order for this to change. We can't make it harder for them because people don't want to do more work in order to do the same task. And then the third thing is sometimes you need to actually look at years of experience. And that's something that I don't think you always have to do that because years don't necessarily mean quality, but years doing specific type of work does lend to specific types of skill. So those are my thoughts on that. Yeah. I think about the AI, I think recruiting is one of those places where AI is going to disrupt it. And I think in the future, there's going to be a lot less recruiters than there are today. People should just be hiring using the TikTok al algorithm that would get better <laughs> suited candidates. Yeah, I think that for a lot of entry to mid-level roles, AI is going to be doing the matchmaking in the background almost all the time. And it's something that can work in the background for you 24-7. It's basically free, depending on whatever system that you use. And it doesn't ghost you for calls. And it's going to get more and more accurate. It doesn't have all of the paper biases, but not only just paper biases, just other biases. Biases. Exactly. Because that's one of, if not the largest problem in hiring in that, in the job market is having preconceived notions of skill, of talent, of whatever is just eliminating your bias. And I think that AI is going to do a really good job of that. I will put the caveat that it probably will not get rid of recruiters for higher level positions. They're going to get more important. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yes, I I agree with that. I do not think that it's going to have the same effect that the ATM had on bank branches. Where it so, makes more recruiters. Yeah, so what happened with that, it was a new technology that's coming out, right? The ATM. And everybody thought that bank tellers were going to go extinct. Like the job of bank tellers was going to no longer exist. Everybody was scared of it. But what actually happened was that when the ATMs were implemented, it actually became much cheaper for bank branches to open and staff bank branches. So they opened more banks and therefore more tellers got hired. So you wouldn't think about that because all you would see is the first order effect of an automated teller machine taking the teller's job, but the economies of scale were that were such that it made it so much cheaper to open more branches that they opened so much more that there was actually more tellers. I'm wondering about that then though, because the same thing happened with Instagram. When Instagram started, everyone said, oh, well, people have smartphones now, so photographers are going to go out of style. Nobody needs photos. But instead, the opposite thing happened, right? You needed more high quality. You needed more photographers. There's more photographers now probably than there ever was in the last 10 years. And you're talking about professional photographers. Professional photographers. Like they, you know, they, they take photos with professional cameras. They edit using professional software. They deliver in a professional way. So I'm kind of wondering, actually, if what would happen is it would eliminate... And it wasn't Instagram, but it was the... Photos on social media. It wasn't social media. It was that, but it was actually the thing that they were worried about was that the camera was on your phone and you were, you always had a quality camera Everyone's a photographer. in your pocket. Right, right. Thank you for... Yeah, thank you for explaining. But yes, that's more clear. And so I'm wondering, actually, if maybe there'll be more recruiters using more tools. So are they going to recruit people to be like, you know, baggers at grocery stores? Or is it just going to get more fine tuned? Or maybe there'll be more interviewers and less recruiting. It'll be more, they just interview people really quickly and they interview a lot and they fill positions quickly. So you need more people to actually interview. In an ideal world, the way that the job search looks is that you just have like an app on your phone or on the web or whatever that you can just go and you just say that you're looking for jobs. And it already has your job search history. It already has your background. It already knows what you can and can't do. It knows how much you get paid. It knows what you want to get paid and the jobs that you are looking for. Not only that, but due to AI, it knows the abilities and the skills that you actually have. And then it'll just match you with an open job in its database of hundreds of thousands of jobs. There are companies out there right now that are working on this technology, but it's not perfect. And it's not immediate. In a perfect world, the way that the job search experience would look is that one, you can always be looking for a job. The AI is always working to give you suggestions of jobs. And you just get a text that says, do you want this interview at 5.30 p.m. today? Exactly. E even though you're currently employed. Exactly. And says, this is how much, this is how much they're paying. These are the responsibilities. Yes or no. But when you're actually looking for a job, all you have to do is press that toggle button. Yes, I am looking now. And then interviews just start flooding to your phone immediately. That's the dream. That's the future. It's not the dream. That's the future. That is what's going to happen. Just not here yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. One of these companies is going to figure it out. When they figure it out, billion dollars, oh, more than billion dollars. I mean, well, the, the companies that are working on this are billion dollar 
are billion dollar companies, but there could be a startup that's working on it as well. But especially for this lower to mid level roles, that's how the job search is going to look. I cannot agree with you more. I think and, and it's coming. It is coming, like we said. In the meantime, we have to deal with the crappy version that we have now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if you want to learn how to get hired in the system that we have now, and you want to work with us, go to degreefree.co forward slash career change to find out more about our career change crash course. I wanted to do a new segment that we've never done before. And this is degree free people. And we're just talking about different notable people that are degree free that have made it and made some sort of quote unquote success. I don't know what success is. Success is different for everybody, but let's just say career success. They've achieved it because it helps me. I know to know that somebody else has done it. Whatever it is that I'm trying to do, it is possible because somebody else has done it. Someone's been there before. And so our first degree free person of the week is Michael Dell. Michael Dell is the CEO of Dell Technologies. He is ranked the 24th richest person in the world by Bloomberg Billionaires Index. And so I kind of just wanted to talk about a little bit about his background and what he did early in his career and, and what it was like. So Michael Dell went to the University of Texas at age 19. He dropped out and he started Dell computers with like a thousand dollars in his pocket. He then became one of the youngest. No, he became the youngest. I apologize. CEO to hit the Fortune 500 list at like age 27 or something like that. Ooh. Took the company public, made millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars. 2004, he stepped down as a CEO. The company kind of went sideways. In 2007, the board asked him to come back on as CEO, and he's been the CEO ever since. Oh, so he's the current CEO. He's still the current CEO, yes. And he ended up actually, I think in 2015, he took the company private, and then they relaunched it public in 2018. I did not know you could do that. Yeah, I mean, you just need investors and everything like that to agree and to to go back in and then come back out. Yeah, exactly. To take the company private. You have to just have to give the current shareholders a price that makes sense to the market. Uh, I see. I see. So you have to offer more. Usually you have to offer more than what their, what their current shares are worth. Right, exactly. And then you can take the company private and then after that obviously you can re you can open it back up if you if you uh, you can relaunch it or IPO it again. Oh wow! And one of the reasons why I wanted to start our first degree free person was actually we did a podcast with the senior director of North America marketing at Dell Technologies, Milo Speranzo. I will link his episode in the show notes. Definitely go back and listen to that. It's a good episode. And it's cool because they actually live out Michael Dell and the way that he rose up. And that's pretty cool. He wrote a book called Play Nice But Win. And there was a CNBC article that he like sat for or gave little nuggets of advice. It's like 21. I'll link to everything to griefree.co forward slash podcast. I'll link to this article. And he gives like 21 tips, life lessons, business lessons or whatever that he's learned over the years. And I kind of wanted to highlight three of them. First, ideas are a commodity. Execution of them is not. Coming up with a great idea or strategy is necessary, but not sufficient for success. You must execute. This requires detailed operational discipline and understanding. This goes back to an episode that we've done before, which is like my biggest mistakes or worst failures. And it was waiting for the right idea. Yes. Which we are all Americans, I think are really prone to doing this. Yep. I know for myself, my parents would always say like, 
we need a big idea. We need a big idea. We need a big idea. Then we'll, then we'll be rich. They literally used to say it almost every night at the dinner table. And that couldn't be more wrong because ideas are a dime a dozen. And I mean, don't take my word for it. Well, listening to, listen to Michael Dell. Take Michael Dell's word for it. And it's the execution of those ideas that are worth anything. And it's just, when you have an idea, especially at the beginning, you don't know where to begin. You don't know where to start. And so you just have to get started. Yep. Pick a place and go. Number two, the rate of change is only increasing. It will not slow down in the future. I take this seriously from him because he's literally run a tech company for decades. And then he also, when he took the company back over, he transitioned from making computers to getting deeper into tech, like other things that are not computer manufacturing because they used to be the number one PC manufacturer and then they lost that to HP and then they had to pivot. And so this man knows a lot about how to change, how to change. And the fact that the rate of change is increasing. And then what we were talking about with AI. Yes. Yes. Very there, much so. There are a lot of jobs that are going to be created with AI. And there are a lot of jobs that will not exist because of AI, because of AI. And it's only getting quicker. The third thing that I wanted to point out was you must change or die. So it's kind of related to that change. There are only the quick and the dead. Organizations need to constantly reimagine themselves, understanding and anticipating all the factors, including and especially technology that will impact them in the future. Change is necessary in all aspects of our life, but this is a careers focused podcast. So especially in our careers. Things are going to happen and you are going to have to change. You're going to have to learn and grow. Whether it's technology that's coming into your space or if that means you have to get a new job because your company is going under, things are constantly changing and you have to change at the same time. I think that that's, that's really good advice. And it kind of ties it back into our you know, first thing, which is that the way that people hire is going to have to change. The way that people evaluate things is going to have to change. And that means that while we're all on this journey, trying to work, trying to find work, trying to learn, we have to remember to keep learning and keep being ready to change because things are going to happen and we got to roll with it. And yeah, that's the show, guys. If you guys have any comments on this new style of show that we're doing, go to YouTube, leave us a comment. Let us know what you guys think. Oh, and if you have an idea or a headline that you want us to cover, send it in. Yep, absolutely. We read all the comments. Also, if you haven't already, connect with us on LinkedIn. Ryan Maruyama at LinkedIn. Hannah Maruyama on LinkedIn. We'll put links to everything in the show notes that we talked about, where you can reach us on LinkedIn, and the newsletter that we send out every week. Thank you so much for listening. All right, guys. Until next time. Aloha.